0: Blog Talk Radio. Africa. 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 At the center of the world. Latitude zero, longitude zero. Planned Africa. by the Creator, Sizanthropus was the first man found Africa. on the earth
1: in our communities. We welcome you again to Africa on the Move and like always the order for today's program will entails what's going on in your world and community, all about a discussion and theme from various articles that we have chosen to try to make you conscious of some of the issues that are going on to going on in your community and for you to be aware of it. On the discussion of the theme again, looking at the world. So, on a note, like always, you know how we get started with our party. We first and foremost would like to introduce to you our political panelists and analysts for today's program. First, we bring in Brother Anthony. We'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Anthony.
2: Thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, Objectivist Pan-Africanism, the Total Liberation and Unification of Africa under Scientific Socialism.
1: Father, Brother Anthony, we now bring you Brother Haki. Brother Haki, welcome to Africa on the Move.
3: Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haikik carrying on with African Awareness. And, of course, you know my thing is all about institution buildings. But before I say anything, Brother Africa, I just want to give a shout-out to Brother Jaleel Mutakin, uh, one of our political freedom fighters, who was recently released from prison after 49 years. Now, in these brothers' uh, contributions to, to struggle for, you know, uh, humanity, a uh, particular struggle, you know, to uh, empower African people, you know, is you you can you can only respect it. I mean you have to respect it immensely, you know, uh, to to give up one's life for the pursuit of betterment of his people. I mean is the ultimate uh, sacrifice. And certainly brothers like Jaleel Mutakim, you know, who you know, who go to prison, you know, and I'm talking about hard time. I'm not talking about some like when the, these white collar criminals commit crimes They go to, you know, these 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 minimum secure prisons and sort of like a college campus. These brothers serve hard time, and they do that out of love and uh, and uh, the desire to see, you know, a better world. And so, certainly, you have to take your hats off, and you have to admire brothers and sisters like that, you know, who who ultimately, uh, you know, commit the great sacrifice in terms of bringing about a better world. So, again, you know, much love and much respect to Brother uh, Jaleel Muta King. All right, now, my my thing, brother, brother Africa, is, is a question in terms of policing dehumanization. Uh, one of the things is that when we talk about these, you know, these you know extrajudicial you know killings, you know, of um you know African men and women, uh, one of the things is that struck me as it's it's somewhat um, apparent, and that is that when you talk about these these killing of um you know African people, they clearly that's a certain amount of dehumanization that goes along that act. You Simply to kill someone, you know, for no essentially for no reason, you know, uh, you know uh, simply because of the color of their skin. Speaks to a kind of dehumanization, and then superposed upon us, by the Africa, the fact that when the Supreme Court say, or, or the Circuit Court says that uh, people who possess certain intelligence or a great deal of intelligence are disqualified from being police officers, it sort of raises in my mind the specter of, you know, maybe uh, the police, the police establishment wants certain kind of certain kind of mindsets to become police officers, and therefore have a much easier time in terms of dehumanizing other human beings. So in uh, event, you know, it's, it's a very interesting uh, phenomenon in terms of you know, policing, but check, I want you to check this out. Now, one of the biggest impediments to effective policing is the animus associated with the profession. The historical roots of U.S. policing was established not to engender fairness or, equal, or equality of law, but to serve as a bulwark for wealthy interests against those that could potentially form an instability in a system that is predicated on exploitation for its profits. Slave catchers or overseers' role, specifically in colonial America serve as a check and balance of sorts committed to maintaining the status quo and in the process of ensuring the institution of slavery remains viable, while ensuring the enslaved, be they indigenous, African population, or African people, be monitored to ensure compliance. In order to ensure compliance from the enslaved, our traditions were reinforced laying out a hierarchy of legitimacy, establishing the roles defined by wealthy plantation owners and where individuals fit. At the top were plantation owners, or white men. At the bottom were indigenous, Indian, and African people. Just above both indigenous and African were poor white males. Entrusted with safeguarding the interests of wealthy white men, this newfound status of poor white men consisted of ensuring absolute compliance of both Indian and African populations. Excuse me, Compliance would be achieved by any and all methods. Legality would not be a consideration. Subservience of enslaved populations were the priority, and if deaths resulted from the overseers carrying out their duties, the economic loss of enslaved bodies was, was preferable to losing control. The evolution from overseer to police has, has seen some changes. Currently, under the pretext of law, the brazen killing of African people is frowned upon. Systems that currently exist governing police behavior establishes parameters when the use of force is allowed. While the system does not prevent extrajudicial executions of poor people or particular African people, it does underscore the level of human debasement, which is an essential part of law enforcement, that is, the humanization of people perceived as outside the norm. The humanization by police implies the propensity to commit crimes is innate, uh, characteristic in some groups, and therefore deserves a more police monitoring. Monitoring itself implies danger, and the police response has been more than equal to the perceived threat. Judge Bruce Cutting right book, Black Road by Justice, explains the rationale in the 80s for the increase of gun caliber, going from a 38 caliber weapon to a 45 caliber weapon. Rationale for the increasing caliber, according to law enforcement, according to law enforcement now, was the belief that 38 caliber could not penetrate black bodies effectively. Ironically, 38 caliber weapons was quite effective killing African people, so this notion that in fact 38s were weren't effective in terms of killing African people was truly disingenuous. Now methods to more effectively kill Africans did not end with with with, with, with thirty eight uh, both the power and sheer numbers of bullets were updated to include nine millimeters in keeping with police mythology, this weapon would not just kill but shred the African body so as to minimize avoid avoidance of death one could one could not hear from concluding this is a certain amount of of shot fraud or delight affiliated with police killings now given this Excuse me, celebratory uh, parties um, for, uh, for officers, police, other police officers who murder people in California and sheriff deputies in Texas receiving steakhouse gift cards for committing violence against citizens, so-called Wilco Badass Awards, speaks volumes about institutional violence in law enforcement and its acceptance. Now, aside from a lack of, a humani- of humanity, this impetus of police aggression seems to be a compelling need to degrade not just individuals, but entire communities. In 1997, Abner Luima of Brooklyn was sodomized by police officers with a broomstick. This sexual assault took place inside a Brooklyn precinct. As a result of this assault, Luima, a Haitian immigrant, endured three surges which required a colostomy bag and catheter. Recently in Denver, an alleged protester, Michael Jacobs, was sodomized by what he alleges felt like a, a police baton. Jacobs said that he was taken down by police, and the next thing he felt was an object being thrust in his rear end. Medical examination revealed reveal both rectal and anal hemorrhage, or tearing inside of his, his buttocks. Even though police carry out inhumanity, inhumanity is tacitly supported by government, which refuses to outlaw such police criminality. From cover-ups of police officials to implementing policy to ensure police avoid culpability, the bottom line is that the de- degradation imposed upon citizens by law enforcement exists with the support of government officials. If the standard methodology of police is to dehumanize, isn't it safe to conclude we're all threatened by police presence? Now, my question to the African community is simply this. Recently in Clemente, California, a homeless African man was killed by police for jaywalking. Apparently, the deceased had mental issues, and police used his illnesses illness to provoke him justifying killing the man. This indifference and counterlessness to life is the reason why people, specifically Africans, must be concerned about police violence. The mere fact that uh, they see, um, you know, African people as potential, uh, uh, potential, not just potential, uh, um, um, purveyors of, of or, or potential, uh, criminals, they also see, see African people terms as, as a means in terms of relieving a lot of stress. So, if you have an opportunity, you know, to to kill people, you know, simply because you have a, uh, because your life is not the best in the world, or if you're in a situation in which you're constantly belittled by by the hierarchy, by the hierarchy. Uh, clearly, you know, if you have the opportunity to relieve that stress in terms by actually killing people, then it's a great reliever of stress. And one of the things fundamentally we talked about so in weeks on the program, we talked about in terms of propensity, in terms of police officers using, uh, you know, uh, the killing of individuals in terms of relieving stress. And so even though this is where well I know this, this practice persists. And the reason it persists is because one of the things is the people that they kill, the cops understand very clearly that as long as you kill poor people and or African people. Then it's all is fine. So the moment that you step outside of the boundaries and start killing wealthy people, then it becomes an issue. So clearly this is a fundamental problem that I think when we talk about police problem, that's a problem for all African people. And we should not think it's simply because we moved to the suburb that, you know, that we're safe. It simply doesn't work that way. So I encourage people, you know, to build those institutions, to build those organizations in terms of, you know, creating a viable community, strong communities, in terms of being able to fight back. Because without that, without that fight in us, and it certainly complicates our ability in terms of you know uh, any type of uh, longevity in the society. And having said that, Brother Africa, uh, I want to thank you again for having me.
1: Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Move.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone that was the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious uh, panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that mouthy tongue is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And thank you once again, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show. It's always an
1: honor to have you, Brother Moses. To our listening audience This is Africa on the Move What we're going to do right now We're going to a Reruptionary cultural break And when we come back We want to invite you To call in and shine in On our discussion Of what's going on In your world And the community We'll be right back
0: So Va. So great, the African embrace, the color of life, universal harmony, the earth supports our conscious effort for sustained humanity, human beings, human love. On a spiritual tip, Growing. Exchange for one so vast, to the other. so great, the African embrace, live, live beyond. Beyond, beyond, love beyond, your skin, your skin. to where you Belong.
5: Who are we, and how do we be? We are doo and bebop and hip-hop, that we don't stop. You see, it started a long time ago, and it wasn't a show. We gave birth to a style like a precocious child, feeling the passion for life, erasing away all the strife. Telling our tales with verbal mail, putting honey on the blade, creating language to persuade. Share who we've always been. Always a blessing, never a sin. We are doo-wop and bebop and hip-hop and we don't stop. Our mother gave birth to everyone on earth. So we echo her call. And always walk tall. Cause we're hips to the world, so we create black pearls. That everyone can wear, that everyone can share. We can't live in despair. So we shine everywhere. On and on.
0: Passport Brad, Malcolm on Twitter
5: featuring Napoleon the Legend. Let's <laughs> the bell, radio.
6: Conspiracy <laughs> theorists, what if my had Twitter and all that civil rights talk, man? I wouldn't want to hear it. This integration been disintegrating. Better off in our own ghettos with our own situation. His last speech got him assassinated. Black business was booming. who wasn't just a consumer controlling our narrative. We have more marriages. And see what the damage did? They ain't that bad the bitch. And welfare did it. it's way worse than the slavery. I'll never be an agent. I don't care what they pay me. Seem like Nip had the same old story. If we pay a black hater, tell a different allegory. Like Pearl Harbor and 9 11 was the mystery. Supremacy go the extent to keep their history alive. alive. All I'm saying, if these leaders was alive, we would be on the internet trying to divide. Use a hotel hustler, uh. trying to fear people of that low vibe structure. What? Agree to disagree, and we ain't got to tear our own down. Arguing silence, will forever be our own down. All, All I, I want to say is we giving it I'm away. Way. Soul ain't for sale and the devil is your fate. <laughs> Argue with the silence but don't let it seal our fate Right behind doors but don't ever show our face Cause if mom had Twitter, if Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling she be on ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Cause if mom had Twitter, if Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling she be on ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Sometimes the key to life you looking for be right in front of you. Tried to show my man hidden colors. He said nothing new. I said, What if we've been lied to? Most of our freaking lives. year coming tonight. And you ain't speaking right, your arrogance precedes you. What if your faith did? I spoke to God on Wednesday. He said most of it's basic. Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry. Power and frightening on walls you couldn't take from me. A man laid dead in the street today. I must have bumped my 1940 is something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. I wanna get high today. Got five on my little bundle of temporary Man, I want to live long enough to be legendary Your statistics said by now that I'm gonna be dead and buried But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already And the march for our rights that civil the same purpose Two different tribes and we fight in the same person Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us
7: and cosmic companionship sustained me After my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength To make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work.
6: A man laid dead in the street today. I must have bumped my head and landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings,
0: I need to fly away.
1: like to welcome you back to Africa on the moon. Yes, we are in the seat, and we're going to take the heat. We're going to find it, and we're going to stand behind it. Right now, for those who would like to contribute to this segment on what's going on in your world the community, feel free to call in at 323-679-0841. Hit 1, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. So at this point in time We can go to Brother Anthony We can bring in
2: Brother Anthony What's going on in your world in the community Hey Well uh, there's several things Going on right now um, Let's see um, I'm, uh, uh, Let's see I'll start with uh, A special effort The All African Peoples Revolutionary Party GC is engaged in presently On September 24th, 2020 uh, Brother uh, uh, In an open letter To the Chicago Sun Times uh, Brother Bob Brown, an organizer For the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC Made a worldwide call To commemorate Indigenous People's Day on October 12th, 2020 I would like Uh, As uh, By way of background I want to share A couple of paragraphs from this uh, Open uh, letter Pan-African Roots Recently discovered an editorial That was published by the Chicago Sun-Times On June 19th 2020 titled The Chicago Park District Should lead our city In a little straight talk about Columbus It concluded with Two questions and a statement what is Chicago to do about those two statues of Columbus, and how do we do it in a spirit of healing and unity? The Chicago, the Chicago Park District has a job to do. The CST editorial board instructed its readers to send letters to letters at suntimes.com. This open letter is our response. We will distribute it and publish it worldwide. The hard and honest truth will be told. If Europe had not invaded the Western Hemisphere, stolen indigenous land, enslaved, and committed genocide against them, 25 million-plus Africans would not have been murdered in Africa and trafficked and enslaved in this hemisphere. It would not be an African diaspora, and we would not be having this conversation today. There is a direct link between the Colombian Confederate Apartheid and similar statues, and so uh, and uh, the the full uh, letter can be found on our website www.a-aprp-gc.org. In addition, our position on reparations. And repatriation is also published on that website. Uh, Please uh, check it out uh, when you get time. And this is a worldwide call. We're calling on all Africans and uh, justice-loving peoples to organize commemorations of Indigenous Peoples' Day, October 12th. Also, uh, there... um, the grand jury in the, uh, the Brianna Taylor case decided not to indict the officers that were uh, responsible for her murder, uh, 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 for, for her killing. They decided not to indict them or bring charges against them. Uh, only one charge was brought against one officer for uh, damage to surrounding uh, property. And uh, we have to, uh, you know, intensify our political work and organization around this sort of injustice. Also, the U.S. administration uh, has issued further sanctions against Cuba in order to try to uh, 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 strangle the Cuban revolutionary process and uh and uh defeat the the the, the counter revolution and turn Cuba into a neocolony. However, uh you know, with international support is still strong for the work that Cuba has done on behalf of humanity and also uh, on their revolution. Specifically, uh there are restrictions on uh on what you know, what type of um, business transactions and what can be bought back uh, by uh, U.S. citizens that travel to Cuba. And that's uh, some of the things going on in my world. Yes?
1: Yeah, Brother Anthony, in terms of your organization's position on repatriation and reparation. can you talk a little bit about that particular document? Because from my understanding, it's very historic and its relationship to Brother Kwame Ture. Certainly. Uh,
2: Kwame Ture wrote a, a, a position paper on reparations and repatriations on November 1, 1994. And it was approved by the Central Committee of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. Because we are the inheritors and continuators of the, uh, of the works and uh, uh, ideology and, and practices, the theory and practices of Kwame Nkrumah, Ahmed secretary and Kwame Ture, we reaffirmed and, re- and released uh, this document on September 21st, 2020 in, uh, in 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 essence, what it says is that Our primary work must be the organization And political education of the masses of our people It is not uh, uh, It is counter-revolutionary uh, and plays into the interest of our enemies to demand uh, reparations in our current disorganized state. We are disorganized, and uh, and uh, we lack, and uh, and uh, our 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 homeland is not free. And also, uh, re- reparations at this time does not do anything. To destroy the the systems of capitalism In all of its manifestations Including racism, imperialism, and Zionism And uh, the full details And also um, The the development of this position Goes back uh, Even uh, to the prior To the formation of the AAPRP It states That the the AAPRP has close relations with the Rastafarian movement In, In the early 1970s All the Rastafarian movements invited the AAPRP to Jamaica To spend time with them in serious discussion, serious reasoning Lamine Janga and Kwame Ture represented the party. One of the areas was of reasoning was the difference between reparations and repatriation. The Rastafarian movement and the APRP find harmony in the primacy of Africa. Thus, within in-krumism, Tureism, reparation, repatriation finds ideological harmony. Most preaching reparations are running from repatriation. The question of reparations in no way advances our disorganized masses, reparations if only to benefit the masses can only be handled by an organized community. To call for reparations in the face of a disorganized community whose anti-peoples class is the most corrupt in the world is calling only for more divisions.
1: Okay, thank you, Brother Anthony. Next, we'll go to Brother Hackey. Brother Hackey, what's going on in your world
3: in the community? Well, I got to tell you, Brother Africa, you know, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that perturbed me to no end is the scapegoating of poor people. And historically, we understand that the wealthy people have always scapegoated the um, the poor. But it has real, real, very dire implications, you know, in America, specifically when we talk about the uh, relationship between Africans. You know, in the ruling class in the society, uh, one of the things in terms of this propensity in terms of scapegoating uh, the poor, it often manifests itself in terms of you know, uh, you know, you know, mass killings, mass incarceration, uh, all those kind of things you know that we dread. And so, we talk about dystopia that, that, that we're talking about that we're currently in. It's not a an imagination. Um, it's it's not the uh, hyperbole to say that uh, this dystopian that we that we talk so much about. Uh, does, it does in fact exist today So that's one of the problems I got In terms of the scapegoating of poor people Now I want you to check this out, Brother Africa Now the roots of capitalism decline lie squarely with the systematic design Constructed to empower the few economically Fiat currency uh, Currency created out of thin air Certainly contributed to the capitalist ability To reward themselves with an, an abundance of wealth Ironically, the wealthiest pursuit of wealth Does not prioritize the needs Of the overall functioning of the system Or society itself only the functioning of the system that provides wealth with opportunity to obtain increasing amounts of wealth. Consequently, the instability of such a system manifests itself periodically. Every seven to ten years, the capitalist system contracts, exposing the systematic flaws and the inefficiency of capitalism. Capitalism's inability to sustain money flowing through the system is the direct result of banks and or business interests engaging in policies that inhibit the free flow of money, but instead is used to further the investments of only benefit of the few. Now, in case in point, is the Federal Reserve printing of money. Printing money that goes directly to corporations and the wealthy, or the wealthy. This free money does not contribute to the real economy in terms of job creation, social safety net, or education, but instead is used by corporations and are wealthy to buy back their own stocks. Buying back owned stocks makes the price of stock increase. As prices of the stock increases, the wealthy sell the stock at huge profits. The problem is the wealthy becomes wealthier, but the economy declines in real terms. Even though the media defines stock trades a benefit to the economy, the reality is the real economy and the stock market operate separately. Rich get richer while the poor subsidize the rich through higher prices and or inflation. Putting this in perspective, the top 1% of the population of the wealthy people in the society create policy that systematically steals $2.5 trillion from working people every year. That's over $50 trillion since 1975, according to Civil Ventures' report. Imagine what you can do with $50 trillion if you're actually invested in the people in the society. Now, theoretically, the wealth should be taxed to benefit the whole of society. But when tax policy is written by wealthy people, it would be naive to assume they would forego what they care about most, money, lots of money. Capitalism's short-term thinking greatly contributes to the ills inflicting society. Historically, the U.S. had benefited from a system established by Western elites to establish a dollar as the world's reserve currency. This policy essentially compelled other states, other nations, to subsidize the U.S. economy. Without fear of the dollar, dollar's declining value or concern for inflation, capitalists were free to innovate policy, which ensure their pockets stayed swollen with an infusion of money that was guaranteed for the wealthy. This self-enrichment scheme increased dramatically in 1971 when President Nixon ended the gold standard. The price of gold increased in value from $35 to $850 per ounce, enriching the wealth in little over two years. Gold, even today, continues up its upward projection as the value of the dollar declines. Declining value of dollars has particular resonance with the overall decline of capitalism. Currently, the U.S. dollar value has declined over 10% compared to other Western nations' currencies. Essentially, this means in the U.S. the ability to conduct trade in a manner that is profitable is compromised. While U.S. exports may be cheaper relative to other Western exports, trade is complicated by declining imports since it's more expensive to purchase goods. This trade imbalance has resulted in a trade deficit of $23.1 billion and rising. Trade imbalances in turn contribute to decline in GDP, gross domestic product, economic growth, and decline in corporate profits, which contributes to inflation. Keep in mind, inflation and invisible tax has contributed to food prices going up by three trillion dollars in just three short months. Needless to say, as food prices increase and wages continue to fall, excess of food will be complicated for workers, the unemployed, and the unemployed. If we juxtapose, excuse me, if we juxtapose economic reality with Trump's inane trade policies toward the world, the outlook is pessimistic. Ironically, none of these systemic flaws or economic ills were created by Africans, immigrants, followers of Islam, or leftists. These problems are directly attributed to wealthy elites and their minions. When I talk about minions, I'm specifically talking about the politicians. So why are some right-wingers advocating for the liquidation or killing of the aforementioned? Now, the impulse to kill is not unique in the annals of U.S. history. So when this homicidal sociopath, Michael Swayer advocated killing all American enemies, he talked about Africans, immigrants, or Democrats, followers, of Islams, and anti-racists, I was not surprised that he would advocate killing these people. Shurer, a former CIA agent who tracked Osama bin Laden, had always displayed his disposition towards psychopathic thoughts, according to former colleagues. Advocating sufficient level of death and destruction as only tactic that ensures favorable outcome, his philosophy no longer applies to killing on foreign soil, but advocates killing all others in the U.S. who question systematic injustices. Characterizing all movements in the U.S. as terrorist movements, he particularly employs extreme invective or hatred when discussing Black Lives Matter. Given his racist inclination, it is certainly easy to see why the hatred toward Black Lives Matter. Deep within the psyche of a racial persecution is the notion of racial inferiority. Characterizing progressives, generally, and Black Lives Matter specifically as subhumans, he seeks to validate the survival of the fittest, where killing is the only reasonable strategy to maintain control. Opposed to acknowledging systematic culpability for the ill society, he, like many on the right, seeks to blame the populace for economic decline and the chaos it formats. Instead of advocating for systematic change, to ensure peace with the possibility of justice and fairness for all. And i end
1: there. All right. Thank you, Brother Haki. You're listening to Africa on the Moon. We are discussing what's going on in your world community. you have any comments that you would like to share with our listening audience by sharing with us what's going on in your world and the community? You can dial 323-679-0841. And we will acknowledge your last four numbers. Please hit one, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. Just segment me, gentlemen, what's going on in our world, your world, community. Right there, we're bringing Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community?
4: Thank you, Brother Africa. Um, well, the the President's tax forms have been released to the New York Times. At least they've retained a copy of the last, I think, five years or something uh, and um obviously he hasn't he paid seven hundred and fifty dollars the year he was elected. And um he's, he's you know, claiming a lot of uh, um debts and um expenses, business expenses, haircuts, a hundred thousand dollars worth of haircuts, etc. That's business expenses. But and so that's interesting. now meanwhile, um, I think the 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 situation in the U.S. of A. Um, is, is at a critical point. And uh, I thought I, I dug up a, a, a letter I had wrote, in the Freedom Letter from One Million Americans to Desmond Bishop Desmond Tutu after Bishop Desmond Tutu back in 80, 1985 while Nelson Mandela was still in prison and the situation was still kind of bleak in South Africa. Um, he wrote a special message from South Africa, I pray that the freedom loving people of the United States will not let the government of South Africa think that Reverend Farwell speaks for all America. It's time for good people to be heard loud, clear and now. Desmond Tutu, Johannesburg. So I I responded, uh um and, well, my, like other people, uh, signing the petition and I, I actually wrote a little note on it, um and I'll read it. The, this is back in December eighty five the his the his story and the her it ages of apartheid in the u s a the history and heritage of apartheid in the u s a It has been correctly stated that black skin will never be free until white skin is also free. The history of apartheid is a story of economic opportunism, and the history of apartheid is a story of denial and hatred. A thorough analysis of the exploited system of apartheid reveals that it is fascism. That is, apartheid is fascism, and fascism is the open tyranny with tyranny of finance capital. Thus, apartheid is an organization of racial hatred where this system attempts to purify one people at the cost of another. It is an unjust and evil system of death and exploitation attempting to thrive on the labor power of black workers and Anglo workers. Black freedom-loving people in the USA will continue to fight beside our Anglo-freedom-loving brothers and sisters until this system of exploitation is discredited and abandoned. It is a system which attempts to divide us, leave our children without a legitimate father, and perpetuate anarchy within our family, our nation, and unleash anarchy within the government. The Free South Africa Movement is chauvinist, in the sand, because it perpetuates the myth that apartheid has ended in the USA. It perpetuates the illusion that the people of the USA can free the people of South Africa. Certainly, we expect the freedom-loving people of South Africa will do all they can do to free the USA. Yet we know that each of our struggles has its own life and must be fought according to the concrete and specific obstacles we face. In essence, the Free South Africa Movement is an attempt to recognize that all people within the USA benefit from the super profits gained from the enslavement of black workers in South Africa. Thus, the free movement is an anti-apartheid movement which correctly demands that the USA government divest now. The democratic, socialists, and communists in the USA will never stop struggling until apartheid is completely abandoned and discredited. All right, thank you, um, and i just leave it right there. Thank you. All
1: right, thank you, Brother Moses. Um, to the listening audience, we are discussing what's going on in your world, community. If you have any views or comments that you'd like to share with us, please hit one, and we will bring you in. Um, panelists, um, earlier I think, Brother Anthony, you talked about the Beyond the Taylor decision, the decision that took place on the Beyond the Taylor case, and... Um, I thought about it, and I wanted to get the panel's position on this, this philosophy that if something is legal, does it justify um, justify one um, hand behind, behind legality or something? Even just legal doesn't necessarily make it cor- uh, correct or just, because when you look at the decision by the prosecutor. One argument used that everything that took place, the act was in the law, but we know a lot, a lot of time here, unjust laws. Y'all respond to that philosophy, panelists. It was legal. So, so I, I mean, uh, you
2: know, uh, so you uh, so that um, you know, just because. Uh, uh, something is legal Does not mean that it is just Or it is moral Legality and morality Are, are, are two separate things and, 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 a, and a cursory study Of U.S. history shows that The, uh, the, uh, the, the scalping of the indigenous people The stealing uh, the of their land Were all legal but uh but the question people have to ask themselves does that means uh, that does that means it was just and it wasn't and uh let's see and um just- just by way of uh, additional information, Kentucky has a no not rule which means that police can actually uh um uh, you know, go into someone's property and uh, and um, you know uh, guns drawn without uh, you know announcing themselves. Uh, you know, uh, typically when someone uh, wishes to enter your your dwelling, they uh, they announce themselves, they knock on the door, ring the doorbell, saying that that that, that they're so and so, and they state their purpose. Well, with this no not rule. Which, uh, which which needs to be eliminated. Uh, they they can actually, if if they suspect any any sort of uh, you know wrongdoing and uh, whatnot, they can actually just enter a property without you know announcing themselves and what, and without the presentation of a warrant. And that's what happened in the case of uh, Breonna Taylor she was uh, uh her and her boyfriend were asleep in their apartment and the police uh you know uh you know just bu- bu- busted in and uh her boyfriend uh, you know had a gun leak you know had you know had a you know had a firearm and he and 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 he he fired back and there were shots exchanged And Brianna Taylor was uh you know was uh you, you you know was killed as a result of that gunfire fire. But uh, history shows that uh, that morality and leg- legality are are, are, are are totally separate issues.
1: that key.
3: Yeah, there's there's definitely no correlation between morality and legality. And that's very important. We understand that. Even though the people in the society continue, particularly politicians, can we tell you that the document, the so called is Constitution, uh, is based upon um, Judeo Christian values. Of course, it's just, it's just nonsense. But the reality is that there is no morality. But you know, the problem is this, Brother Africa, is that when you talk about legality, legality is defined as what you wanted to define. And so, therefore, when we talk about um, individuals who promote this whole nonsense, this this whole concept of originalism, their position is quite clear. Their position is that, you know, in, in all, in, in everything that happens in society should only be for the benefit of the wealthy or the landowners, or particularly the white, white wealthy males. And they're very clear that's what the Constitution is all about. I'm inclined to agree. In fact, when you look at the Constitution in terms of, in terms of you know, many statutes, it's very clear, you know, that the power relies with that small minority of people, uh, you know, in particular, you know, people who possess, you know, great sums of property and wealth. So clearly when we talk about legality, it's all they want you to interpret it to be. For instance, if you talk about, for instance, if, 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 if they weren't cops, right, and they really wanted to get them, right, let's say they had a history in terms of political struggle, they could charge them with the RICO statutes. It's very, very broad. It's very, very broad. I mean, it's so broad it doesn't even make sense, but nonetheless it exists legally. And so therefore legality is whatever they define legality to be. And so in that context, the Constitution becomes a very oppressive uh, uh, document, and so we've got to be very, very clear on that point So for people who run around talk about The Constitution is is, is is embedded in that which is right They clearly don't understand the U.S. Constitution They don't understand why it was written or the whole Focus around, you know, why it was written So clearly, Brother Africa, so if you Expect something good to come out, you know uh, from, from legality, then reality Is that if you're talking about people's Positions of power, then if whatever, whatever Transpires, if it doesn't Benefit the, the elite or doesn't it doesn't benefit the wealthy, then you can pretty much conclude that uh, it's not going anywhere. And so when you look at this this this, this uh, district attorney, this guy uh, I've got his name anyway, um, this, this, this 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 black fellow, when you look at it in terms of his presentation on television when he's talking about the fact, his, his rationale for not charging them with murder, I mean it's very clearly that you know he's being very extremely optim- optimistic. I mean this is all about op- being opportunistic. you know what I mean? It has nothing in terms of reality. He knows damn well, you know, that one of the things that he talked about at to great length, he talked about the fact that out of 12 people, one said they, they heard him them, pronounce themselves at the uh, at the door when they came to a Brianna Taylor's apartment. Think about it. If it a no-knock warrant, as Brother Anthony alluded to, why the hell are you going to tell them why you're there? You don't. You just knock the door down and come in. So clearly, you know, this guy was so, so extremely disingenuous, but this is a particular problem in terms of African community When you talk about this kind of opportunism and these kind of, these, these so-called, black folks who do in and everything in terms of main, achieving some status and not understanding that status doesn't necessarily entail going along with that which is, which, is, which is incorrect, that which is historically wrong, but status can also be attained from doing that which is right. But unfortunately, you know, when you, we you superimpose upon the whole drive of status, this whole notion in terms of the inferiority that exists in the mind of some of our people in terms of the kind of history that we receive. And so we think, in terms of being somebody, we, we go along whatever the system tells us to do because that makes us somebody. That is absurd. So when I sat there and listened to this, 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 uh, this tap dancer, as I listened to him speak, it became clear to me, you know, that he has political aspirations. And so in order for him to climb that ladder, he understands that he has to toe the line. And he's a, he's a good puppet. I give him this much. At least, relative other black so-called black conservatives, at least this one can at least articulate himself in terms of reviews that he have. Uh, you know, normally what happens is that they elevate any black conservative, irrespective of how Ill, you know, un, you know um, uh, ill-articulate that individual is, simply promote that person based upon the fact that they say stupid things. But at least this guy could articulate himself in terms of his, his, his BS. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't easily to con- it wasn't easy to conclude or to see through the kind of stuff that he was saying was so so extremely disingenuous. But clearly, you know, Brother Africa, you know, uh, this is what we have to understand. When we talk about legality, you've got to understand that this question in terms of morality goes out the window. And so if you're living your life in terms of based upon what the Constitution says is legal, then one thing that you got to understand that in that in giving that kind of power to the Constitution, then essentially what you're doing is disempowering yourself and ensuring, you know, a, a lack of a future for your children into the future. The Constitution is not, by any stretch of the imagination, moral. It never was designed to be moral. Well,
1: Lord, you like to respond to anything as it relates to Breonna Taylor's
4: decision and situation? Well, Breonna Taylor, you know, uh, Hopefully, it didn't die in vain. Uh, we have to continue to to uh, organize and 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 deal with this beast. This beast. Uh, this this government is no longer viable. It's, it's bankrupt. It's it's defunct. It's it's morbid, moribund, dying capital. And um, we have to have another government in place uh, that a revolutionary government in place to replace it. And that's the that's the real answer. How do we get that get that um, built and uh, organized? And uh, because this this thing has nothing good come out of this this uh, system, this government that we're faced with, this beast, and uh, it's, it's there to exploit us. It's there to there to not in our behalf, and uh, we have to recognize that and and uh, and move on. Thank you.
2: Brother you know, Africa, brother,
1: could I add something? Yes, yeah, clear, brother.
2: Yeah, so, something very critical for people to keep in mind. In pointed out that uh, that the bourgeoisie has uh, has a, 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 an almost a worship of law and order, <clears throat> regardless of uh, of who made the laws and in who interest they were made in. And people have to keep in mind, this is a capitalist society. And it, when one implication of that is that the laws in this country are made in the interests of the capitalist ruling class at all levels. And that's why uh, the, uh, the U.S. Constitution is immoral. It is legal. But, it, but 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 it has nothing to do with morality only only uh, only countries that have economic systems that serve the working masses of the people that uh, in, in which laws are made in the interests of those people can you uh, can you uh, uh, conflate legality with morality but under capitalism you can't that's but you know, but you
3: know, Brother Africa, the, the Constitution is very, very clear. In the preamble, when they talk about the minority, they're talking about wealthy landowners. That's who they're talking about. So, for people who think when they talk about minority, they're actually talking about ethnic minor- minorities or, or cultural minorities and so forth and so on, that's not what they're saying. They're talking about the fact that the Constitution should protect that minority, the wealthy. That's precisely what it's designed to do, mm-hmm. and we should be very clear on that point.
1: Okay, panelists, uh, well done. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a rough culture break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the theme this evening, taking a look at the world, and one of the first article of discussion is titled, When Companies Like Amazon, self paranoia Black People, Find Themselves Target. So we're going to discuss that. Artic and more. Again, you listen to Africa on the move. Feel free to call in, share your views and your perspectives by dialing three two three six seven nine zero eight four one. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the move. As your host, Brother Africa. Come and join us. Oh, oh,
0: oh, 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 oh. He's my king, he's my one, one, yes, he's my father, yes, he's my son, so I can talk to him, cause he understands everything I go through and everything I am, he's my support system, can't live without him, the best thing since sliced bread is his kiss, his hug, his lips, his touch, and I just want the whole world to know about him, I love you and I'll never try to hurt you. I want you to know that I'm here for you forever true. I Around the neighborhood, we throw your information. A lot of my brothers got education. Now check it, you got your Wall Street brother, your uh, blue collar brother, you down for whatever, chilling on the corner, brother, A talented brother. And to every one of y'all behind bars, you know that Angie loves your mama. I've never... I've never
5: But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of this primo Hall, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods Everywhere we go When the light is clear Oh, how beautiful I will be To know that I've been here And made it through my journey, yeah. And made it through my journey, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah
5: yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. My journey.
1: Yeah. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the move. We now make our transition to part two, looking at the world. But real quickly, panelists, before we make that transition, I did have one particular question I would like to get your response to as it relates to the recent report I believe came out of the New York Times concerning Donald Trump tax record and some of the things that came out of it. It was reported that basically for the past five years or so he has paid no more than seven hundred and fifty dollars. I think Brother Anthony you alluded to earlier Part of his tax-bidding deduction is that he's taking out thousand-dollar haircuts. Now, when you look at the rules and policies that are written from a business perspective, in terms of how people can uh, spend money and write them off as expense, and which allow them to not to pay taxes to the federal government, to me, I always say that this system is very sophisticated in terms of its forms of corruption in terms of its forms of corruption. Now if we have and we do, if this country has has a policy where you can write off expenses and you can set it's limited in terms of what kind of um costs you can set in terms of, you know, debt expense. Do you view this as another means of um a corruption in terms of the of legality? Versus, you know, what does the law actually allow one to do? As we said earlier, just because it's illegal doesn't make it right. So what do y'all think about this whole question of these $1,000 haircuts? um, You only have to pay $750 of taxes out of the last five years. This whole question of how the laws are written economically to allow the wealthy to rip off uh, the resources, Uh, of the masses of the people in this country. Y'all respond to that, panelists.
2: <clears throat> yes. Um going back to what to what we discussed earlier, uh the uh the, the laws of the US at every level are written in order to benefit the capitalist ruling class and that's something people need to uh uh to keep in mind and uh and nowhere uh is that more apparent than with uh you know the tax code and um and this uh you know the ability of uh, to write off certain things as business expenses and what not that was laid out by uh, by lawyers that were working in the interests of the of the ruling bourgeoisie, and it goes back. So uh, uh, you know, goes back decades. Uh, the United States didn't always have an income tax. That was something that uh, that was started uh, with the Civil War, if I uh, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken. And didn't become a a permanent feature of U.S. law until the 20th century. And, um, you know, which in a way there's a certain logic to that because uh, the bourgeoisie was making money hand over foot off of its exploitation of African labor during the days of chattel slavery so uh you know so that provided uh you know uh so much surplus re- the the revenue that uh, that the u s needed uh but um you know as uh you, you know as the, the 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 methods of exploitation changed so did the met- methods of uh, you know exploiting the working poor change over the over the centuries
1: Anyone
3: else like to say a bit at? Yeah, well, the question in terms of corruption, Brother Africa, you're absolutely correct. It's codified in, in, the, in the law. And so one of the reasons why it's so difficult for people to ascertain the level of corruption in American society is because a lot of it's legitimized, not only codified, it's not only part of the law, uh, but it's presented in, in such a, a abstract, most intricate kind of way that most people don't get it. I mean, if you're an accountant, Uh, clearly you understand the terms of kind of maneuvering going on in terms of, you know, keep from paying taxes. Uh, But one of the things, brother, in reference to the Orange Minutes, one of the things that's very, very interesting, though, is that there was a book written back in the 80s uh, called City for Sale, Now, late 70s, early 80s. It's called City for Sale. And what you talked about in terms of his ability, in terms not only to defraud banks, but also in terms of not paying his taxes, uh, in terms of ingenious methods that he used in terms of preventing paying taxes. One of the methods that he employed was to create these shelter uh, 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 organizations, in which he could uh, he could uh, he could uh, fund money into, you know, as, as tax deductions. And so that's certainly one of the things he did. But they cracked down on that, so he stopped doing that. But the general criminality in terms of the Orange Men has never really abated. I mean, it's always been pretty much a consistent uh, a constant with him in terms of, you know, his business dealings. But the question for me, brother Africa, is this: you know, we understand he only paid seven hundred fifty dollars in terms of taxes. The question is what kind of income did you bring in? That's what I want to find out. You know, what kind of income are we talking about? And in order to just pay $750 in the last five years, you've got to have your minimum amount of write-offs, your minimum amount of tax deductions, uh, you don't know, in order to pull that one off. Even in terms of tax cuts for wealthy people, when you're only paying $750 in five years, then that's, I mean, that's beyond, you know, a, a, a privilege in terms of, you know, being a wealthy individual. There is something fundamentally wrong with that situation, so I'm just wondering what kind of monies are we talking about in terms of in terms of earnings and, and, and so forth. So I'll be interested to see what happens. Uh, the mere fact that it didn't reveal that suggests that perhaps uh, they're waiting, you know, at, at, for some future date in terms of going after him in terms of specifically, you know, uh, you know, for uh, tax deduction, uh, uh, tax evasion. So I, I so I so I think that um, you know it's a kind of a strategy perhaps in which they're utilizing, which they're saying, well. We're not going to let him know precisely what we're doing. We keep him in the dark. He thinks he's safe. And so meanwhile, we got all this information that we're compiling, and so when we're ready, we'll make our move. I'm hoping that's what they're doing because the $750 doesn't bode well in terms of, terms of taxes. So certainly, you know, uh, you know, got people making you know, um, 11, you know, uh, be, be making $11,000 $11, a year and paying more than that in over five years, $750. So it's unconscionable. So clearly this guy's this guy, criminality knows no bounds. But again, Brother Africa, we have to understand that this, this, this kind of criminality is just rampant in American society. And unfortunately, the media does a very good job in terms of keeping, keep, keeping people you know, ill-informed uh, you know, in terms of the kind of things that go on. Are these kind of things that people need to understand in terms of the kind of chicanery um, uh, uh, that goes on with respect to, to, to taxes and finances. And uh, one of the things I remember back in the, back in the, 60, uh, back in the early 70s, they talk about the economics quotient, uh, economic, or economic, called it economic quote. In other words, they're saying that you have to hyphen your economic understanding of where the world operates. Well, they start running that one after about a year. They start running that one. I wonder why they stopped running that ad. I suspect that more and more people actually took them up on their word and actually started understanding more about economics, which may explain why they took it off the air. But in any anyway, event, Brother Africa, but to answer your question, I, 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 I think that the kind of criminality that we're talking about, you know, is just, just encoded in, in everything uh, that's legal about the society. So nobody should be surprised, you know, that this guy uh, who has no moral parameter, parameters, or parameters for that matter, uh, would, uh, would uh, take advantage of, of a situation which allows him to, to legally uh, get away with not paying taxes.
1: Brother
4: Moses, in response to his tax situation? Well, let me just say, you know, it's a political economy, and the president is head of the state, you know, the politics determining economics. And so, you know, obviously, you know, he could say all things are expedient, but not everything, and all things are lawful, but not everything is expedient, because that's exactly how he's acting. I mean, that he's above the law. He can do anything he wants to do. Uh, basically, and that, you know, uh, it's up to us to stop him. I mean, he's not going to stop himself. Uh, they say power corrupts and absolute power corrupts even more. And, uh, so, so we have to have some checks and balances on him. And, uh, and, that, and, um, I, I just, I just know, you know, we need, we need a government that serves the people basically that, uh, looks has an objective of 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 uh of supplying the needs of the masses of the people that's up the an objective and uh and until we get that situation we we're we're faced with this this uh war machine and uh exploited capitalist imperialist system and so that's just the bottom line uh uh he isn't paying taxes. Uh, you know, he not, he's got lawyers. He's got, you know, I think he's being audited. He kept saying he couldn't release the taxes because he's being audited. But he's being audited because I think it's like $72.1 million or something he got in a tax refund. And uh, they're trying to figure out why they got he got that much money in a tax refund. Uh, that's why he's being audited. And so, you know,. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy, and the answer is we got to just start all over, and that means revolution. Thank you.
3: But you know, brother, Africa, let me just real, real, real quickly some some plain talk. One of the things when we talk about the kind of corruption that is so um, so um, brazen, so blatant, you know, in American society, one of the things that when you talk about these these wealthy individuals getting away without paying taxes, one of the things that we have to understand that to run a, a government you have to have uh, revenue. The revenue has to come from somewhere. You now, if it's not coming from wealthy people, it's got to come from. It's to come from other place, working and or poor people. That's the only place it can come from. Well, I'm including, I'm including middle income people, when I say poor, because the reality is that when we talk about the context of middle class right now, you know, uh, that's a very very small number of people who actually, quote unquote, uh, qualify as middle class. But in any event so the bottom line is that you know uh, we we, you know, we continue working people, poor people, uh, continue to subsidize you know these wealthy people in terms of this kind of corruption. And it always amazes me that you know you got people, you know you got poor people fighting each other, you know for the benefits of the wealthy, and not understanding that these people don't give a damn about you. There's only one there's only one billionaire today that actually even talked about the fact that we need to pay higher taxes in terms of just some social responsibilities that we have. It's only one. And uh, you know, the rest of them would never say such a thing because the, the, this notion, in terms that they have a, 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 a moral uh, responsibility to society, is something that, is, that they kind of go to reject. But remember, Iran, his her position was that listen, greed is the greatest thing in the world. You know, ruthlessness is what is what it's all about, and that if you can utilize that in terms of attaining wealth then that's an intelligent thing to do. And so you got all these billionaires, these, these multimillionaires, whose so position is that, listen, ruthlessness, exploitation, deceiving people, tricking them, keeping people ignorant is a very good thing because it affords them the opportunity to make more and more money. So they do, but they, in doing that, they undermine the very, the very economy, the very system, and what they say they support. But this is the irony when we talk about in terms of capitalism, in terms of how insane, how inane, how crazy it is in terms of how, how it operates. But this but, but 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 clearly, you know um when we talk about these these um people like um Trump uh who in terms of the bill in terms of you know avoiding taxes, you know it's unfortunately you know it's, it's you know it's people from all over the world come here specifically for that reason, Brother Africa, they come here specifically because they can they can avoid paying taxes, whereas in their native country you know there, there'll be a tax because they have a responsibility you know to society at large here in America, there is no responsibility to anybody other than himself. And that has a prescription for failure. So when we talk about the system deconstructing, and we talk about the social ills, we talk about political problems affiliated with the society, then we've got to understand clearly the fault lies of capitalism. And there is no getting around that. There is no way you can explain that away. That is the cold, hard reality. Even the capitalists would admit that. They would admit that. Their position is that if you're stupid enough to allow me to do this, then I'm going to continue to do it. So the onus is not on me to change, it's only it on you to change it. So the masses of people who, poor people keep fighting each other, at some point got to realize, you know, this, this, is, this is insane. you fighting other poor people, you know, and why the rich people exploit you and take advantage of you, uh, creating situations where, where you subsidize in their lifestyle. At what point do you realize this is, this is crazy, that fighting other poor people is not the solution? But nonetheless, the media does a very good job in terms of organizing people to, you know, to fight, We get poor people to fight other poor people. So it's something that poor people have to begin to understand, how to begin to question, and understand how the game is played, that we're all just pawns for the wealthy. And that's the bottom line. And nothing's going to change, as Brother Robert alluded to, nothing's going to change until the people themselves demand a change. And this systematic abuse, uh, this systematic theft of taking money from the poor in society, giving it to the wealthy society, has to stop.
1: You know, panelists, let's discuss... A theme for tonight as we take a look at this world. Now, one of the things I find really interesting in terms of how they have created the scenario of, guide, of guiding people to buy into this whole idea of they don't need no privacy. Um, this whole idea of how it's cool to be monitored and watch others. And you're doing it under the pretext of being safety. Well, the bottom line really is that the state. Has created this whole vehicle where you now with yourself, this whole concept of people not having no privacy. And I think that that's one of the points that was driven from this article that was titled, When Companies Like Amazon Sale Paranoia Black People Find Themselves Targeted." Now, it was written by Vanessa Taylor and posted on September 12, 2020. Let me just read you a, a couple lines right quick, and I'd like to get you all to weigh in in terms of. um the impact of this whole question of uh, how cameras are are being used, not only for us to censor ourselves, but we are being used as a tool for the state where, you know, they can justify putting cameras up anywhere, everywhere, and we find it acceptable. So this whole concept of people having any kind of privacy, it really doesn't exist. Now, at this point in time, it says that in February 2018, Amazon acquired... Acquiring Ring, a smart, a smart doorbell company, in a one billion dollar deal. Amazon followed the acquisition up only three months later by launching a new app called Neighbors through Ring. Describing itself as the new neighbor watch, Neighbors is designed to allow users to receive real time crime updates from their neighbors. On the surface, seem like an innocent project. However, neighbors is a strong example of how surveillance companies like Marine manufacture paranoia to sell back to you. I'll just start right there. When you all look at that particular article, do you see how, what is the danger of we being brought or buying into this whole concept that these camels at private homes Are uh, one of the best ways to fight against uh, Crime and security Brother Anthony
2: Yes uh, One major problem Is that we were, uh, That a lot of A lot of people rely upon The uh, the capitalist media And One uh, And uh, I think Um uh, I, I think fear plays a part in this. Uh fear of uh, you know being robbed or uh or, or 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 assaulted for uh for your property. And uh and the media does a very good job of inculcating this fear. And uh and as a result, uh people think people spend a, a lot of resources on elaborate security systems, uh, like this, uh, this smart doorbell uh, that, that, that this article, uh, you know, talks about. But people don't realize that at the expense of security, they're, they're giving up their privacy and freedom rights. But, uh, but 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 uh, I think the media has people so frightened that that people are do some people will do anything in the name of security. And as a matter of fact, uh, a and, and that and that's been a trend ever since uh, you know the the September eleventh, two thousand one incidents. That uh, that the ruling class has been uh, using the fear of some uh, of someone. Be, uh, uh, of, uh, of attack or robbery, or whatever, to get people to buy into this sort of, uh, uh, you know, these sort of uh, monitoring systems, which are very dangerous. And uh, because they're privately owned, they do not have the same degree of regulation as something that's government owned. And even if it was, it's, it, it, it's still very dangerous but uh but but the but, the thing about it though but uh but using uh but using the violence that's perpetrated uh, uh you know amongst people against the poor you know makes them uh uh you, you know more frightened by security, and it reminds me of a sense of uh, uh of how we uh, uh of how people went along with uh you know certain legislation like the patriot act and what have you. And I think this, uh, uh, these security systems are a similar thing. You have these uh, capitalist countries playing on people's fears and also racial stereotypes as well.
1: Brother Hackey, your response? Yeah. Have yeah, that's, there's a question respond?
3: about that. Yeah, before you hear can... me? You...
1: Yes, you can, Brother Hockey, but before you respond, Brother Hacky, let me just make this quick statement that I find really ironic in terms of how to use African people as a scapegoat to justify to people to buy these security cameras. Historically, it has been recorded that even during the so-called slavery time, when there were slavery votes, that you never had one African attempt to harm a European. There are no history of African people harming Europeans within this country. So I find it real ironic how they uh created this scenario that we are we are to be people to be feel and we are more likely to harm and so therefore we should be the first group of people to be watched. Your response, brother Hackie.
3: Yeah, well, you know, fear is a is a is a is a powerful motivator. Uh you know, one of the things you gotta keep in mind, you know, we're talking about, you know, a decline in the capitalist system. And so fear becomes all the more uh, indispensable in terms of as a tactic, in terms of making sure you keep people afraid of one another. Now, and the question, the, the, the example you gave in terms of the, the propensity for violence uh, in terms of, uh, you know, Africans in American society, you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, one of the things is that, you know, often when we talk about violence, we don't talk about the we are perpetrators of violence. We, we, we like to project and we like to blame African people in terms of being violent. But clearly the history in terms of violence, we understand where the violence comes from. It's always been from the West. And so, therefore, unfortunately, you know, we, we don't have those kind of discussions. because The media won't allow you to have those kind of discussions. And we have those kind of discussions, uh, people are going to cry foul because they don't want to hear that. They want to believe that, you know, that the West is, is uh, peaceful and uh, gets along with people and uh, have uh, uh, respect for uh, diversity. Uh, so, so clearly, you know, when we talk about the principle of the violence, there's no question about it. And you got to look at the West, and particularly when you talk about America, there's no question about it. White men are the most violent group of people on the planet. So, this notion that, that African people are violent is only is only um, um, feasible to the extent that people bind to the stereotypes, and, and 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 because people don't tend to read in American society, they tend to believe whatever stereotype the media presents them. So clearly, you know, when we talk about propensity for violence, you know, uh, you know, clearly there's a long history in terms of betraying, you know, African people, you know, as, as violent. And so therefore, as long as you continue to betray us as violent, uh, you know, then certainly it's going to uh be effective in terms of uh you know uh, reinforcing all kinds of stereotypes, all kind of biases that exist in the mind of people in American society. But one of the things that's ironic about Brother African, when you talk about actual crime and in, crime in, in, in the in the in, in the American society Actually, crime is relatively low, uh, relative, you know, just, just back in the 80s. Uh, so, you know, this notion in terms of, you know, uh, uh, you know using fear uh, is very very, it's, it's very, very useful. But if people actually took the time in terms of understanding, when you talk about crime actually research crime and look at crime and understand whether crime actually uh, actually exists, then people would educate themselves to understand that, you know, that they're being manipulated, you know, by a system, uh, you know, by uh, individuals who have uh, uh, vested interests in terms of making sure that keeping people divided for one another. And this is what this is all about. And so we talk about this doorbell in terms of better monitoring people, giving people a sense of community. And so essentially what they're saying is that they're creating a scenario scenario which says that it's us against them. So we got doorbells and we can monitor what's going on. So it's a group of us. So we act as a community. And so those on the outside, you know, are the adversary. They're the enemy. And so therefore we can better monitor them. Because no one ever asks the question in terms of, listen, why does crime exist in the first place? Certainly, when we talk about white-collar crime, one of the things that comes to my mind is that, you know, one of the things that, you know, when we talk about crime, people steal for, for a multitude of reasons. You know, you know poverty, uh, something to eat. Uh, people steal maybe because uh, they got bills to pay. Uh, people commit crime in terms of maintaining shelter. There's a multitude of reasons, and, and, and a lot of them are legitimate in terms of human expression. That people, why people commit crimes? But what I don't understand about Africa is why somebody with fucking multi million dollars, why do they steal? That's what I never understood. I, now, what, what is that is the that is the epitome of criminality when you got someone who got hundreds of millions of dollars and, and billions of dollars and they still steal. It, so that's indefensible. You shouldn't. There's, there's really no justification to even explain that one except to say that this, this this whole notion in terms of innate criminality, perhaps we start looking at innate criminality then we need to start looking at the rules of the society in terms of understanding what real crime is all about. But of course we're miseducated not to even deal with that. We tend to look at the, 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 the young man or woman on the street and conclude based upon their circumstances that they're criminal minded or they're criminal or they're or they're susceptible to criminality. It's absurd, you know it's absurd. But but clearly Brother Africa, you know, I, I think one of the things is that, you know, um, Amazon spent a billion dollars in terms of, you know, uh, you know, innovating this, this ring doorbell. You know, uh, when they spend a billion dollars you gotta understand they're gonna do in and everything in terms of recouping that that billion dollars. So if that means instilling fear in stealing, people in terms of, you know, getting them to buy that product, that's precisely what they can do. This is capitalism at its worst, Brother Africa. And there's no there's no there's no question about it, you know, uh, you know, um, the things that they got the things they do are not only counterproductive but very destructive, but the bottom line is they don't give a damn because it's all about money.
1: What do you think, Brother Moses? Uh, are we becoming, or is this society becoming a, a, a acceptance to mass surveillance, to exchange, or to have um, to exchange for some form of security? What What's your take, Brother Moses?
4: Well, certainly, you know what the facialization process going on. That means is less personal space. I mean, invasion of personal space, uh, um, private space. Private comes from capital. You have to have capital when we start talking about private. But in on the communism, and socialism, we have personal space. And uh, you know, with this totalitarian government uh, situation, is what what's developing. Uh, they want to be able to in intervene in all aspects of your life and uh cameras everywhere, uh Big is watching it's nineteen eighty four as they say. And so uh you know that's what's going on. Uh these companies arise that serve the needs of capitalism and is supposed like I said, it keeps saying it's a political economy and uh, it's politics that determines economics and you know, Trump is talking about law and order and and uh he's in he's he's got a chief uh uh, Supreme Court justice they're getting ready to ram through uh he's streamlining the the economy to the do his will to, so that he can be a dictator and uh we have to oppose it. Thank you
1: you know Paris I think one of the things else I think the uh, this needs need to understand that when using many of these um civilians um systems, a lot of times they are connected to the police departments, and he also um can give them direct access to what goes on in your home and I think a lot of people don't I'm not aware of those possibilities and features that exist in some of these civilian systems
2: brother Africa you know you make a uh, uh, you make a good point, and this article uh alludes to that, but do, do, doesn't go into the detail that you just went into. Uh, It mentions that Amazon has worked to establish a surveillance network through Ring partnerships with law enforcement. The company has already partnered with over 400 agencies, according to a blog post published on Wednesday. CNET recently revealed that Amazon uses peer pressure and incentives to convince police to join the Ring network so in, in uh and and one implication of this is that is you're right uh you know this sort of uh, these sort of uh, elaborate security systems give the police uh the ability to monitor your activity all the time and also uh and also by uh through through this sort of uh, pressuring. Amazon racks up big time, as do all the other uh, all the other security, uh, you know, uh, companies.
1: Now, let's make a transition. We're talking about um, security, surveillance, and seeing that this 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 country has uh, has a strong desire not only to have surveillance internally we in the border of this country, but also externally. That was an interesting article, and I'd like to have y'all take on this article as we talk about the CIA city team of four operators on a spy mission targeting China, and none came back. This article from the contributor was made by Jack Murphy, written on Saturday, September 19, 2020. Now, when I read this article it seems to me panelists that there is just a continuation of um US foreign policy using these various tools in this example CIA intelligence to continue to find ways to spy undermine, and and um and and find ways to overthrow governments. Now when you read this particular article how much, how much information from this article is you view as being something that that is real that, that they do, or is it a, a, a article that was just put out to for misdirection to get the Geely illusion that maybe these four spies end up being killed because of the weather conditions, and um, and that's the end of the story? We may be more to it. What did y'all? Take from this particular article, which I thought was really interesting, but for me, it's just showing you the different kind of techniques and the methods that this country will um, go through, just to continue to try to dominate the rest of the world. Brother Hackey, give me your thoughts on this article.
3: Well, you know, brother Africa, is you know, it may well be a diversion. I mean, simply because we read it doesn't mean it's true. Uh, it may be maybe a diversion. Maybe they were actually caught, you know, uh, you know, by um, maybe uh, maybe. Um, um, Chinese officials, or maybe were caught by uh, Filipino f- officials who were in opposition in terms of U.S. using their, using their uh, territories to spy on China. Who knows uh, what the reality is? But well, one thing is clear in terms of the M.O., in terms of, you know, uh, you know utilizing, you know, technology for the sole purpose in terms of spying on other nations, of course, we understand the U.S. is very, very good at that. Uh, one of the things when we talk about, they talk about Russia impacting U.S. Uh, elections in terms of spying on uh, in terms of corrupting a lot of the uh, technology in terms of information that people have privy to. No one wants to talk about the leading um, purveyor in terms of um, spying in the United States. So, so it's ironic, you know. So clearly this this article in terms of these individuals who help who to disappear, we may nev- never know the truth about Africa. And i got to tell you, the mere fact that they even talked about the so-called methodology they employed in terms of trying to spy on China, uh, uh, to me, uh, it, it doesn't. It, 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 I, I see this very suspect because one of the things they don't do, they tend to close, hold very close to the vest any information pertaining in terms of the the methodologies they employ, in terms of spying the world. So now you mean to tell me you're going to actually tell the world, and to tell, and by extension tell China, listen, this is the area in which we were going to grab this technology in terms of you know intercepting you know uh, uh, electro, electric, electronic communication from your ships. This is the area in which we actually were going to do that. It seems to me it doesn't make sense at all because if you if you if you if you tell you know China this is what we're doing and this is where we do it, then it seems to me then that as countermeasures the one thing you want to do is make sure you set up some, uh, set up some technology so in the future when they try something like that they would be detected. So to me it doesn't ring it rings hollow. So I suspect that this is part of a, a subterfuge. It's part of a plan to divert our attention from what's really going on in terms of what actually happened to these four individuals. That truth, we may never know, Brother Africa. Uh, we may know maybe, you know, after we're long gone, maybe our great-great-great-grandchildren come across reality in terms of what, what, what transpire. But uh, I, I think that it's somewhat of, I think, to be kind of candid with you, I think it's somewhat of a diversion. So, you know, I, when I read the article, I'm like, hmm, interesting. So I, I I read it with a grain of salt, so I don't put a lot of um, uh, a lot of faith in this particular article in terms of being truthful. Brother
1: Africa, your take on this article? I think
2: there may be some truth to it. I mean uh the CIA has a history of setting up uh businesses as fronts for the operation uh and uh the uh the incident took place in two thousand eight uh, uh let's see twelve years ago and uh, and it's just coming out so it, it, it's a little suspect to me but some, but some a uh you know aspects of it do seem logical given the CIA's history and but uh you know because of the secretive way in which they operate the full truth uh uh my, uh you know my, my, uh you, uh you, you know might might not come out for many years
1: and,
4: Brother Moses, your response? Yeah, as Bob Marley said, all the glitters ain't gold, and half the story ain't never been told. And so, you know, I, we do know that uh, uh, the CIA, you know, it's on company business, and that means, you know, standard operating procedure. And so everything they said is reasonable within the confines of my understanding of how the CIA works uh, uh, over the years of, uh, I've encountered what I've seen as agents and et cetera but nevertheless uh they do operate under standard operating procedure, and it's like it's just it's a normal activity something something that will be normal uh in anybody's eyes who sees it, and so they can do and they can carry out their covert covert operations and uh so everything everything I've read and it seemed reasonable uh, in terms of of reality uh what happened and uh and you know they lost four people uh uh that's that's you know I mean we have to remember uh well this is, I guess this is just before Barack Obama got in office, i suppose uh but nevertheless, we know that Barack Obama had uh drones killing people, and you know it was collateral for damage, so what is four people uh uh to this to the state, you know, the greatest prevail of, of violence on the face of the earth, as Dr. Martin King said. Thank
3: you. But one other thing, Brother Africa, real quickly, one of the things is that this so-called America, uh, Mar- maritime uh, component of the CIA is in competition with the Navy, who all offer similar kind of services in terms of, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, intelligence work. So it's very interesting to me that you actually highlight a case in which quote-unquote, you actually failed. So it certainly seems to me if you're going to want to perpetuate those dollars, continue, you want those dollars to continue to roll in, you know, for the maritimes maritime component for the, of the CIA, then one thing you don't want to advertise is that, in fact, it's a failure. So clearly when we talk about in, in, in a situation where the, where the budget is strained, even though they spend over $3 trillion a year in terms of the military budget, uh, the reality is that the budget is strained, and so therefore, you know, they have to make some cuts somewhere in terms of being able to meet their obligations in terms of intelligence, so it seems to me that highlighting that in fact at this maritime agency of the CIA was a failure, uh, makes the case. Uh, uh, seems to me more con- more convincing that uh, perhaps it is best, uh, you know, that this particular department be eliminated and let the Navy take over this particular this particular department. It'd be certainly sort of cost effective. But that's my my that's my thinking in terms of as I read this piece, why it didn't a lot of stuff just didn't resonate with me in terms of, you know, what they were actually saying. Now, in terms of a lot of the 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 methodology they employ in terms of you know cover, we understand the CIA very much uh, you know use planes, uh, boats, uh, companies you know as covers, and we we understand that's standard. That's what they do. They do that all over the world. And so when they alluded to the fact that in fact one of the things that they, in terms of the maritime operations that they're big in West Africa. Well, I can certainly can understand that. I can certainly can understand why they would be big in West Africa, because when we talk about wars, you talk about the the economic unity of, of the West African states. It poses a real fundamental threat in terms of in terms of uh, imperialism, and so therefore I can understand why that presence will be there and in, uh, in on West Africa. But, but but having said that, brother Africa, I, I really think that you know. So this is kind of piece, that which you know, I, I stop and said, hmm. Am I, you know, am I being deceived? You know, are they, is this kind of some diversion? Are they telling me what I want to hear in terms of, you know, um, making me believe that in fact uh, this occurred when in reality something else occurred, something that's much more traumatic, or something that's much more embarrassing in terms of, to the U.S. government. So clearly, this kind of article makes me give me give me pause to, to actually, you know, to, to really think about in terms of, you know, all the contradictions, at least in my mind, in terms of what this uh, this article uh, 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 talks about.
1: And looking at the four operatives. you said you were truthful to the family about their death
2: the Probably not. Uh again because uh uh let's see the the, the CIA and uh, these other spy agencies operate under a cloak cloak of secrecy. So I don't know whether I, I doubt if they were truthful to the families of these uh, of these victims of uh, of this uh, operation.
3: Well, you know, one of the grandparents asked them, say "You know, listen, maybe the uh, the, the Chinese uh, Chinese officials grabbed them." And uh, the CIA uh, the CIA, CIA personnel response was, "Well, we can't comment on that. What well, you, well, you can't comment on that." She asked you yes. a specific question. All right. It seems to me that if it has some legitimacy, it isn't easy to say, uh, no, 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 ma'am, that didn't happen? Because what you're telling them is that you say saying that, you know, based on the information, based on what we know, that in fact they were lost during, during a hurricane. And that's what the, what that accounts for their demise. But now you're saying something, you're implying something totally different. When she asked you a specific question, maybe she did the Chinese grab, grab you know, grab my, grab my, my, my grandson. What well, is uh responses, I can't respond to that. I don't know how you take that, Brother Africa. I, I don't know how you, you know, you know what I'm saying? If you're on, on the surface, I mean, if you're saying to me that you're definitive, that, in fact, they got, they, they got killed by, by virtue of a hurricane, but then I ask you a specific question, but you can't comment, it seems to me it doesn't make sense. It seems to me your comment should have been, no, no, ma'am, they were killed by a hurricane. Your response was no question. Isn't that another way of saying that perhaps? Maybe it wasn't a hurricane that that grabbed these four four, uh, intelligence individuals. Think about that one.
1: Mm. Uh, Well, panelists, when we look at the world today, one of the things um, is clear when you look at U.S. foreign policy and how they view military that they value, they do not value their so-called soldiers. That was an article that was written by Daniel Zoller titled, Disabled Iraq War Veteran Faces Five Years in Prison for Marijuana Possession After the Judge Denied the Release. Now, here in this article, I find it very interesting in terms of how U.S. treats this so-called military vet. Do you think it has been justified, um, Brother by by Haki, we start with you, when you look at this article, how this veteran is talking about pending that he would get five years in jail for possession of marijuana when driving through the state of Alabama, given the fact that he already have a medical history where other doctors in, in his state his only approved to use to have marijuana, and you also have a PhD. What does that really say about how the American government views its soldiers and his citizens from your perspective?
3: Well, I think, brother Africa, this is one of the situations where we can't discount race. I think it played a pivotal part in terms of the judge' uh, decision in terms of you know putting him behind bars. I mere fact that he's a decorated hero, quote unquote hero. I don't think anybody's heroic in terms of going around the world killing you know innocent people or killing people who simply want to be free. So there's nothing heroic about that. So when I say hero- heroic, uh, I'm, not, I'm not I'm being condescending. You know, I'm not uh, you know I'm not I'm not stating in terms of that I approve in terms of that that particular label. But one of the things that clearly, you know, in terms of, you know, his, the, the things that he, the, the, the sacrifice that he made going over there in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, fighting this quote-unquote war on terror and to be not only, you know, physically impacted but psychologically impacted with post-traumatic stress uh, discharge, it seems to me that the judge would have some leniency in terms of dealing with him, in terms of particularly when you're saying that the veteran administration is saying to him, we're willing to bring him in and counsel him and assist him in terms of finding work. So you don't have to incarcerate him. So I think that race played a big part in terms of the judge's determination and then I'm going to send a message to people who look like him. Uh, despite the fact that he's a veteran, it doesn't matter. It, it, so we discount this whole notion in terms of preferential to the veterans when they are black veterans. So again, Brother Africa, it seems to me that you know, when, when veterans read this article or they hear about it, it seems to me that they should understand that uh, you know, their, 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 their sacrifices are not valued the same way sacrifices the white soldiers are valued. And so therefore maybe it's in their best interest as opposed to going fighting wars for this imperialist, imperialist nation, that it it's best that they stay here and, and use their, their their efforts and their skills in terms of fighting against this imperialist nation, in terms of bringing about a better uh situation, a better uh economic political situation for African people and or working people in the society. Um, you know, so uh so I'm um you know, not but anyway, Brother Africa, I'll close
1: with that. Brother well, Africa seemed like this adventure has being viewed as a means to an end. What do you think
2: uh that is typical typical of capitalism uh to use people as a means to an end um and uh let's see and I think unfortunately um the brother was a victim of um you know uh uh you know u s history in the sense that uh, the U.S. does not value, uh, Af- uh, you know, uh, African veterans, and there's a long history of that, which probably br- uh, Brother Sean, uh, Sean uh, Worsley was not aware of, and uh, and also another factor too is the fact that the that U.S. policy on marijuana possession is not uniform. It varies from state to state, and so it is it, legal in some states illegal in others and it's and it's uh and the pat and he was a victim of this uh patchwork approach you know to a health care in a sense uh, you know I, I thought and uh I think it and uh you know and the thing about it I think it's important that people, especially young people. Know about the you know, know about these sorts of things. What happens when people elect, uh, you know, to go into the military? The fact that uh, that uh, you know, especially the rank and file, they're treated like you know rank and file workers. You, you, you know, in, in civilian society, in that respect, uh, you know the uh, you know the ruling ca- uh, class could care less about them only as much as they can use them. And unfortunately he was used and um he's suffering now because of that. And I think and I agree with you that uh, that race played a, a big part in that and also and also the fact that um you know that um you know the the lack of uh, the the, the coherent uh, uh, drug, uh, drug policy in coherent drug policy of the U.S. also played a factor too.
1: Talk me, talk to me, brother Moses.
4: Yeah, yeah, this situation is is bad. Uh, the federal government is anti marijuana. The federal government, so that's that's the the real 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 problem. Uh uh um I don't know, Holly Solasri could trace his roots they say back to David and stuff. Uh and so, you know, the Rastafarians, you know, they claim that Solomon smoked The weed of wisdom. And so, you know, this cultural attack on black people and, and uh um um anybody who's smoking I guess it's you know, it's, it's unfortunate that uh you know intelligence is is lacking it's dogmatism, it's just ignorance and darkness on the issue and uh, it's dominating the situation and and as a result we the jails are full of people who who who, who just smoke and as simple as that and so you know um this soldier um you know a buffalo soldier if you will um finds itself um in the system and uh, a victim of, of, of the system, uh, what Donald Trump would call a loser or, you know, I mean, a sucker. Um, you know, they're expendable. They're expendable. They use, they use them up and they and
1: pull them away.
4: And so that's all I see going on. Thank you.
1: You know, panelists, let's make this transition to our last article for the day. And we definitely encourage. To mass and the people take a look <coughs> excuse me at this article that was um written by Margaret Kimberly. She's a writer for Black um for Bar Black Agenda Report and she titled it Freedom Rider. Democrats are officially Republicans. It was um interesting. She stated that the Democrats claim to be the opposition party. But they seek out Republicans hate the left of their own party, and don't seem to care if they lose the election. The Democratic Party has any, any debate or dispute about its true nature. Na- nature. It's a party representing neoliberalism, neoliberal interests and international gangstaism, just like the primitive opposition, the Republican Party. i just stop right there. She lays out the case, Panelists, number one, fundamentally, it's a Democratic Party. There's no difference between the two. They're the same party. But more importantly, I would like for you all to respond to why is there is a need for the Democratic Party the to go at so-called Republicans who might be mad at their own party and disregard their own political base. Does so that make sense um, to you? Does it make sense also that the same strategy was used at the last election by Hillary, and he saw what happened? Panelists, your, your critique of this particular behavior. Um,
2: uh, some of us have been saying for years that uh, that 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 the Democratic and Republican parties are are really. One or political organization masquerading as two, and uh, and uh, and I think this article, and I think the, the articles that Sister uh, Kimberly points out, of, of you know bear bear out this fact, and that uh, you really don't have a, a different political party if they represent the same. Uh, economic, so, uh, uh, political, economic interests, which is the case of the uh, uh, of the Democratic Republican duopoly. Both parties represent the ruling capitalist bourgeoisie, and they're going to do whatever they have to to protect their interests because that, that's who controls them. And so, uh, so I think uh, I, 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 I think there are a lot of a lot of people are in for a rude awakening because of the uh, 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 for not understanding this history and these lessons. And uh, and the thing and, and uh, I think people are um, uh, they think that uh, and the thing about it though this thing of voting for the lesser of two evils. It's not it's not viable anymore. We need to concentrate on forming our own independent political party that's accountable primarily to us. Yeah, well,
3: there's no question. There's no question. Uh, You know, there is no difference between the two, Uh, Democrat Republican. You know. on uh, the same coin, different sides. You know, so Malcolm's very clear on that point. You know, so, yes, it, there is no difference. And, and, in fact, one of the things that I think is important that people realize is that when we talk about in terms of just malaise that's currently sweeping in the society, we need a public works program. The mere fact that both Democrats and Republicans refuse to even acknowledge the need for a public works program, despite people like AOC and Bernie Sanders articulating the need for such a program, speaks very in terms of just how beholden they are, you know, to, 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 you know to, to corporations. So clearly, Brother Africa, there is no difference. And so we, we, we definitely have to have our own political party uh, to articulate our concerns, and we, we have to have it. And we think that somehow that Joe Biden will somehow be fundamentally different in terms of policy uh, versus uh, the Orange Menace, then we are said the mistake. the bottom line is they're both beholden to corporations, and they're going to do whatever, they, 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 whatever it is that benefits them. And it's that simple. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa. You know one, Brother Moses? Yeah, I, I, I
4: agree that, you know, essentially when we get to the ultimate conclusion, obviously there's no difference, but there's always contradiction, and that's the problem in life is we have to deal with reality and face a concrete analysis of concrete conditions, and Donald Trump is not your ordinary run-of-the-mill right-wing um uh, um, Democrat or Republican, he is, he is a fascist, and he is trying to streamline the economy, and has been streamlining the economy, and is taking over, and and is doing anything and everything he wants to do. He, I think he said, if he could shoot somebody on on Fifth Avenue or something in broad daylight and get away with it, and that's basically the mentality that that we're faced with, and because that's what's going on. He's blatantly. You know, uh, disregarding the democratic process that this system has set up, that have been won by struggles of of the working class, the certain democratic rights, and uh, you know, such as the voting rights, etc. And uh, he's he's showing a total disregard for anything and everything. And I, and I think you know, we it's it was, you know we can we can multitask. I mean, certainly we can multitask and. Uh, and uh, one of the tasks we have to do is to stop him, and that's it's as simple as that. Thank you.
1: Okay, panelists, job uh, well done. What we're going to do is we're going to take this rupturing cultural break when we come back. I'd like each one of us to give you give us your final thoughts for today's program. You listen to Africa on the News Part Two, looking at the world. Hey, hey, hey! hey what's up, hey, Brother. What's
8: Recorded, man. Yeah, I I can dig it. Mother,
0: mother, there's too many of you die. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you that die. Delay. You see, war oh, is not the answer. for are all in love.
8: I baby baby baby
7: Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Our love. Palestine, 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 Palestine needs her freedom. Needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love.
0: Up That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not mm-hmm. his real name. Surprisingly enough. Important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yeah. Okay. Terror. They're calling him a calling terror. Him a terror.
9: A okay.
0: One nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, oh, let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that have that oppose your imperialism. He's going to tell you who it is. Manumba was democracy. Manumba was, was democracy. Jack Allende. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that's his mm-hmm. music. That's mm-hmm. the beat for me, right? All right, sure. I, know, I don't
10: want i That a racist. God, the strip was getting bawdy, but didn't say shit. After
8: you divorce yourself from the right-wing propaganda campaign, it's all like the red America's the gay gotta.
1: To our panelists' summation
4: for tonight We'll start out with Brother Moses Your father's thoughts of summation for tonight, Brother Moses Yeah, let me start off by saying The masses and the masses alone make world history And so, sisterhood is powerful Sisterhood is powerful And through sisterhood I've learned to respect the power of love And so, I'd like to say that Um once again, Moses went to the mountain. Jesus is the mountain. The mountain came to Muhammad. And Muhammad said, "Jesus is love, but what's love got to do with it?" These Christians are oppressing my people, and so he wrote the Quran. Only a fool would say there is no God. Mao say tongue was the foolish old man who moved the mountain. And I just like to say, you know, you know, we we have to struggle. Today is struggle, and tomorrow is struggle. But victory is around the corner, and just keep the faith. Thank you. Good night.
1: Thank you, Brother Moses, for your contribution to today's program. And now go to Brother Hackey, your summation for today's program, Brother Hackey.
3: I'll be brief, Brother Africa. Here's the thing. Um, According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, collective African wealth is only about $17,000. In less than 30 years, the net worth of African people is going to be zero, which means that it's you know, is a, is a similar situation to what happened to us in terms of our enslavement in terms of when we, were, when we were enslaved. So we're returning to that, that those kind of conditions. The question is, if we really love our children, then we got to organize, we must create institutions, you know, these kids can build on for the future. Because without that, the reality is that I don't know what's going to happen to our people in the society. Uh, you know, I, I like to believe, you know, uh, I, I, I think that there is a, A a divine intelligence And I do understand that But at the same token I also understand That that divine intelligence Also gave me the ability to think And so therefore I have to utilize That ability to think In terms of trying to overcome these uh, obstacles That I'm confronted with So I encourage people To build those institutions To build those organizations In terms of empowerment Of African people uh, And to work with others Who are progressive Who are truly progressive And revolutionary And not those individuals Who seek, uh, you know uh, The limelight For nefarious reasons Having said that, Brother Africa's always encourage people to unravel the matrix and you have a good night.
1: Thank you, Brother Hacky, for your contribution to today's program. And we go to Brother Anthony, your summation for today's program, Brother Anthony.
2: Yes. Um looking looking at the world, I think it's important that we understand that it's more important than ever. That the masses of our people join uh, a political organization that is working for our people's liberation, that is independent of uh, the, uh, the capitalist uh, ruling class and works in the interests of our people. So we must be politically educated and organized and uh, I, uh, I ask that all the organizations represented in the audience work to organize a commemoration of Indigenous Peoples Day on October 12, 2020. And I'm re-echoing that call from the All-African People's Revolutionary Party which you can find out more about by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And thanks for having me. And
1: we thank you, Brother Anthony, for your contribution to today's program. And to our listening audience, we thank you for allowing us to come into your homes this evening where we can speak truth to power and hopefully to value your information so that you can use it as a tool for liberation. That's to help liberate your people as well as help liberate humanity from all the various forms of oppression. We ask you again to join the organization that is working for your people. If you can't find one, then you create one. You have that responsibility. Africa on the Move is a community project of the African Women Association, and we come on every Sunday from 7 to 9 p.m. Please spread the world, and remember, let's take a look at this world, and when you do that, you'll be in a better position to have a better understanding of how we move forward. Until next time, we encourage you to always strive to go forward, Apple, backwards novel, and we now take you back home to Mama, Africa.
9: Have taken some pains to explain the forces of imperialism acting through their instruments, neo-colonialism and colonialism, ably assisted by the agents of the Cold War. They operate in worldwide combinations at all levels—political, economic, military, cultural, educational, social, and trade—and <laughs> not all and through intelligence, cultural, and information services.
0: <laughs>
9: they operate from European and African centers using agents who, I'm ashamed to say, are often on patriotic shores of Africa, bind personal satisfactions with the betrayal of their country's safety and integrity.
0: <laughs>
9: they seduce leaders they seduced leaders of the African political, trade union, and people's organizations, thus creating rifts and quarrels within the national front. On the broader front, they are amassing their forces in a determined effort to stay the advance of African liberation and the march of unity. It is not accidental that the countries of the European Common Market and those spearheading the Atlant- North Atlantic Treaty Organization, the imperial powers who have brought in their vassals, Spain and Portugal. Portugal, in fact, since the wars of the Spanish secession, 1700 to 1714, being a protector of Britain, which has enjoyed special trading and unnecessary rights in both Portugal and in the Portuguese territories for over 200 years. It is not difficult to understand, therefore, why Britain has not raised a voice against the atrocities in Angola and other protected Portuguese territories, and actually supported Portugal's preposterous claim at Goa in India, was an integral part of the Metropolitan country.
0: <laughs>
9: the arms and troops that are pouring into Angola cannot be regarded as solution from the international organization of imperialism and the Cold War militarism with which they are most definitely linked. It is absurd to think that Portugal, one of the poorest countries in Europe, so large an army, so well equipped, as that which is he defending her colonial possession in Africa, without the active aid he must be receiving from the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Nor can we look upon the way in which South Africa is busily building up an armed force equal to any held by the nations of Europe? without sending the international implications that are obviously involved, she has, we hear, a secret military pact with Portugal. And the interlocking imperialist interests collected in the Congo and the Rhodesias, Angola and Mozambique, which are also linked with the great mining and financial interests operating in South Africa, create a chain of allies which seriously threatens both the fight for extending African emancipation from colonialism and independence of the new African state. Now, that African independence has been achieved over a large part of the continent and the national consciousness of Africans from north to south, from east to west, is adding momentum to the struggle for independence. Every kind of means is being used by the colonialists to arrest its progress and defeat its objective. They are attempting many methods, some sinister, some beguiling, to wreck our efforts. They strike antipathetic postures. On one side, they perform acts calculated to strike fear. On the other, they try to hoodwink us with fictitious gifts, which superficially pander to our hopes and aspirations. They are the present attempts to deflect our purpose, to weaken our determination.
10: Second lesson we wish to speak of is the role of students. Students, of course, have a role in any society, capitalist society, social society, and their role is to institutionalize the values of the given society. Conscious, of course, in a capitalist system, this should be done unconsciously. But students are the spark of revolution. Of course, we make a difference here between revolution and reform. Those who want reform seek to work, I guess, from the top down those of us who understand fundamental changes know it must come from the bottom up. The students of course always work at the point of ideas in a society. Their job is to acquire knowledge and of course this knowledge which they acquired is scared by an ideology which tells them what to do with it. So if you're a doctor instead of curing cancer you should turn a man to a woman to get money even though she can't make babies. (laughs) That was life. (laughs) Students we say At the point of ideas and the point of values. When one speaks of revolution, one speaks of overturning the values of a given society. If one is not speaking of overturning the values, then one speaks of reform. Thus one can join the Democratic Party. We're not here to overturn its value. But certainly if one is here for revolution and one is here for people's liberation, one would know that a corrupt instrument can never lead a people to liberation at all. Students then, we say, come to question the values of a society. Of course, in relationship to the values, students, just like anyone in a society, have but two alternatives. Either they accept the values or they reject the values. It's as simple as that. Of course, if they reject the values, they have a responsibility to find alternative values. But either you accept cheating as a student or you reject it. It's as simple as that. Either you accept any value in a society or you reject it. Students, once having rejected a society bringing together their ideas and their energies and strength to work against these values connected with the masses always give us revolution thus from the sixties while a reform movement we were able to see that students joined with the masses of the people came to bring a lot of changes to the country thus we must not confuse ourselves the job of students are clear here their job is to spark revolution students cannot carry revolution through to the end The final triumph of revolution must be carried through to the end by the masses, the workers and the peasants. But students play a crucial role. We say they spark revolution. Certainly if we did not recognize this, the enemy did. The FBI before the sixties did not have informers on college campus. After the sixties, they put an informer on every college campus in the country. Their job was simple, stop any activity at all that runs against the status quo. We say it's mobilize people who can allow this, because when you're mobilized and fight like an animal, after you get tired and you wind down, then the enemy comes back stronger than he did before. Students spark revolution, and we must work everywhere to have students live up to their responsibility of sparking revolution. Here, of course, it calls for the students properly understanding the role of knowledge. Knowledge has but one purpose. Its purpose is to alleviate the sufferings of humanity. Knowledge has but one purpose its purpose is to alleviate the sufferings of humanity. Capitalism is a backward and stupid system. Capitalism is a contemptuous system. Capitalism is a system based on profit. It will make a commodity out of everything. It will take my mother and sell her on a slave block. It will make students acquire knowledge and make them sell their knowledge on the slave block to advance themselves rather than serving humanity. The struggle becomes especially crucial for African students. We say no individual African in this country makes any advance unless it is a result as mass struggle. Any student sitting in any seat in any college in America know that they didn't gain that seat through their own individual talents, but only through the struggles of the masses of their people. Thus, that seat belongs to the people, the knowledge they acquire there must be used for the people, otherwise they have already betrayed the people and have repeated errors.